Hey, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Nine Puzzle Podcast. I'm here with Kristen, and we are doing the Kristen Mockler Young Takeover. What's up, Kristen? Yeah, we are. Yeah, we are. Listen, right now I am looking at the ocean and the sun is shining, and I have a beachy summer drink, and um, I'm living my best life. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I'm totally lying. What? I'm totally. <laughs> I was gonna say because, um, I was just gonna be mad that you didn't invite me. I mean, it's like no. officially summer now, right? Yes. Yesterday was the first day of summer. It is officially summer, guys. Let's go. What's What's your big plans for the summer? I mean, I am going to go to the beach at some point, but yeah. I will not what's, be podcasting. No offense, listeners, but I'm not bringing <laughs> you with me when I go. What's your go-to? Like, if you could pick any beach to go to, where would you go? Any beach? I'd probably go to Hawaii. I mean, I've never been there. We usually go to Hilton Head. We take our family to Hilton Head every summer. It's just, it's just lovely there. Yeah. Yeah. My, my family vacation growing up was to Ocean City, Maryland. And it's basically just like high school, uh, senior trip central. And so like growing up, I didn't like those kids look like to me, they were like so old, but now I go and I'm like, oh my God, there's like toddlers running around like (laughs) Crazy. So you're like get so, off my beach yeah. too much noise <laughs> like this grumpy old man in the sand that's right but yeah no. well what what do we got going on today for the episode this is what episode three of the takeover yeah, yeah might be i think so yeah today i have my friend simmy and we actually i'm gonna we talk about things that people have talked about before we talk a lot about identity we're gonna talk about social media the good and the bad of it we talk about christian celebrity culture uh, but I think that we talk about it in a way that is different and not the same old conversation that people have heard before. Love it. You ready to go? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. All right. Hey, guys. Kristen again on the Naeem Powerful Podcast. And this week, I have a brand new friend with me. Her name is Simmy John. Hey, Simmy. Hey, Kristen. Good to be here. So excited to have you. Now, I want you to tell people a little bit about yourself. But first, I have to tell you how... I actually came to find you, and that is that Naeem one day, Naeem is my pastor and my boss and my friend, and one day we were, I think, supposed to be working, but looking on Instagram, and your <laughs> your video just happened to pop up, and he was like, oh, this girl, you need to know her. You will love her, and it was a reel that you made of, you were like Jesus, so you had a beard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, talking to the disciples. And like calling them to, you know, yeah, calling them up basically. And they were all like, yeah, no deuces. And they ran off and I cracked up and I was like, <laughs> yes, Jesus and laughing. And I am already here for her. Yes. So. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> so I started following you. We've been messaging ever since. And here we are. Yes. Thank you for me. Cause I yes. love you already. I love all your content and like just your personality. And I can see why he knew that we would connect so easily. And our personalities are definitely more similar than, sure. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So he kind of knows what about, he's talking about, huh? A little bit. <laughs> he's a good pastor. <laughs> he is. <laughs> uh, so tell us about like other stuff. I mean, your, your content, I love your feed because it is, it's serious and it's silly. And, but what else, what else about Cindy John do we need to know? Yeah. So I was born in India uh, in a state called Kerala. So it's like Southern India. And I moved to Dallas when I was seven. So I'm a Texan. I grew up in Texas. Uh, I went to PT school in Philly. So I'm also from up the Northeast area. I like that area a lot. Um, And then I moved to Oklahoma. So that's where I live now. My husband is a pastor. So my husband and I pastor a church here locally uh, in Norman, Oklahoma, and it's about 200 people. And we are just enjoying just loving on people and getting back to kind of the normalcy of actually having fellowship and community and not virtually but actually getting to hug and see people and minister and meet them at their point of their needs and we have two kids um mariah and gideon and so i'm also a physical therapist so our lives are pretty busy and full but god is good god is good that's awesome so you are a physical therapist like by day but yes. you also teach sometimes. I think I just thought you taught on Mother's Day, right? Yes. Yeah. I speak at our church. I think like 
four to five times a year. So it's kind of crazy. Like Thursdays are my days off. And so that's the day that I can do all the things uh, for my kids and church and things like that. (laughs) And so it's not a lot of time. So I have to get in as many naps as I can. Well, I get stuff done when they nap. So I have to force them to take naps so I can actually do the stuff that I want to (laughs) do. Yes. I was totally laughing because you're like, on my day off, I do 90,000 things. No, right. That that really is the life of a working mom. I'm like, right. Same on my day off. That's when I now granted my husband does all the cooking because you don't want me doing the cooking, but I'm like, that's when I pick up the house and do the laundry and schedule all the things and do the doctor's appointments and X, Y, Z. Yeah. Cause being in ministry, you know, weekends are really not times off, right? You're, you're working and you're doing things. And so you have to take advantage of the small little chunks of time that you have throughout the week to get all that kind of stuff done. For sure. For sure. It's just so funny. This, this working mom life, right. And then the like ministry, ministry mom life. Mm -hmm. So when did you, you said you went to PT school and I know Mm -hmm. that now you co-pastor with your husband. Did you feel a call to ministry prior to that? Or was it something that you found after getting married? Um, so my family, yeah, so my family and I came to faith when I was around 13. So my dad, um, grew up, we grew up in a religious house. So my, I don't know if people know church history, like Thomas, you know, the disciple doubting Thomas got the great commission. And he actually went to Kerala, India, and he would basically share the gospel with a few people in town in the village. And then they would like partner with him, build a church that he would move on. And one of the people he partnered with was my great, 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 great grandfather on my dad's side. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah. So my dad grew up with this, like, super rich uh, Christian heritage, but unfortunately it became this very religious formal Mm. thing without any relationship. Right. And so there was a lot of addiction to alcohol and all that kind of stuff in his family. And he was very abusive towards my mom. So growing up, uh, we went to church every Sunday, but then my dad was beating my mom at home. And for me, like as an eight-year-old, I was seeing that and thinking, Hey, this is probably how everyone's family is. This is just marriage. Uh, This is family. And I would literally think when you're eight, yeah, you don't know anybody's families like mine. Yeah. And I remember just being Indian and being in the honor of shame culture, we don't talk about stuff. So even though I would see my mom's family the very next day, my mom's like, you can't tell anybody that your dad hit me and all that stuff. And I was the one pulling her off my dad and protecting her. Um, And it was just so normal and so sad. And even though I thought this was normal, there was something in my heart that just felt brokenness, like this, this feeling of this lack of joy and peace. Mm -hmm. And I went to this like small meeting. Um, it was like a small group cottage meeting for like, I think it was my grandfather's church on my mom's side. And so we were sitting there And as they were singing and worshiping in a way that I had never seen, it was this like an AG assemblies of God church. And I came from a liturgy background. Right. And they're all singing and worshiping. And I'm like sitting there, I could feel the presence of God, like on their face, I could sense this joy and peace. And in that moment, without anyone sharing the gospel, I stood up and I said, I want what you have. And I want that Jesus. And my mom and I got saved that day. And I was around eight or nine and slowly God started working in my dad's heart through a lot of different circumstances. And around the time I was about 13, my dad finally came to faith and gave his heart to Jesus. And my dad became the father that I needed, the husband. Oh, my that's mom amazing. Needed. Yeah. He became an evangelist um, and he traveled the world. He still preaches the word and he hasn't been to India because of COVID, but otherwise he would be there um, wow. preaching, teaching the word of God. My brother went on to be a pastor. I married a pastor. And so God had a great plan for my family's life, but it came with a lot of suffering and a lot of pain um, that we had to overcome. And so that test became kind of like our testimony, right? And so uh, I seeing that miracle happen before my eyes, seeing the transformation just made me fall in love with Jesus. Uh, Unlike a lot of people that I started going to church with, Jesus was more real to me than anything else because I saw what he could do, right? Yeah. And so 
I couldn't get enough of Jesus. I mean, I was like listening to every single person I could. I was reading all the books and I was like reading the Bible. I had this big binder, like a big dork that I walked around with to every <laughs> meeting, taking tons of notes, watching Christian television. Um, cause I just couldn't get enough of the word. I had to make up for the past 13 years when I didn't know any of yeah. the word. Right. Um, and I just loved the local church because it was a local church that prayed for my dad, that gave me space to understand the gospel message of Jesus. And so there was always this pull towards the church, um, that I had and towards the word of God. And I began to understand that I, the Holy spirit was speaking to me. And that was also a big thing for me because I came from a religious background where there was a priest and you just stood and watched. you were a participant. And all of a sudden yeah. I was like, God can speak to me. Like I can feel the Holy spirit illuminate truths from scripture as I'm reading it. I'm like, what is this? You know? Yeah. And so it was very, um, very empowering for me as a child to understand that this was, this was a relationship. And mm -hmm. so I began to, um, you know, grow in that and like kind of really cultivate this, I don't know, this love for the word, but also being able to discern the truth of the word and write it down almost like little sermons, you know, and my dad really encouraged me to do that. And cause he was kind of like, you can do anything and everything kind of person. So that yeah. was really good. Cause it's not very common, um, in the Indian culture to empower women to speak. And right. so that really helped me. Um, and around when I was 18, God impressed on my heart that I was going to marry a pastor. And I did okay. not want to marry a pastor because I was You're like, like, are you sure? Hang on. <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> God, I'm loud. I'm crazy. I, I mean, I'm opinionated. Like most of the pastor's wives I saw were soft-spoken. They were full of grace and mercy and all this stuff. And I was just like, that is me. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, no way. I can't do that. Um, and so I remember going to, um, South Africa when I was 26 and actually not 26, I was like 22. And I was on a mission trip and the pastor was introducing me. And the reason I went on a mission trip is because I knew I was going to marry a pastor, but I didn't know if that meant a pastor of a church or on the mission field. I didn't know where. Right. And so I was really like trying to find what God's purpose for my life was. And as he was introducing me and as I stood on the stage, um, the Holy Spirit just really spoke to my heart and said, what do you see in these people's eyes? And I was like, nothing. And I mean, these were like the grandkids of this pastor who had a great legacy of, you know, like the, the kingdom of God and rich heritage of Christianity. And he's like, I want you to speak life into that. And I want Gosh. you to raise up an army in the church to go out into the world to preach the gospel. That's and that amazing. was a moment I knew that I was called to the church. The church yeah. was my mission field. And I knew that I was going to marry someone that would lead a church. That's amazing. <laughs> That's such a cool story. So wait, so when did you, when and how did you meet your husband? Did you just like go to all the churches and mission trips until you found the right pastor? Like what did you? <laughs> so actually I met Jason when we were both 20. We were both camp counselors at a campsite in Waxahachie, Texas. And it was mostly Waxahachie, for Waxahachie Texas, okay. small little town there. I don't think there's anything there, but one Christian university and a campsite. And, a camp. and we were both there. Um, and so we met and it was kind of like, I don't know, back in the day. So we were like, we liked each other. We had a lot of mutual friends. And so we started, uh, AOL instant messenger. Yes. You know? Yeah, we did that for a while. So we were always in a long distance relationship. And in fact, he actually didn't want to be a pastor at that time. So I always had my, I was like, I, I really like him, God, but I don't know. He wanted to be an orthopedic surgeon. And so God also okay. had a call on his life. And that, you know, just came later on and I never told him, actually, I didn't tell him that I felt called to marry a pastor till like four years ago, uh, because I didn't want to sway him. Like, I didn't want to be like, oh, this girl, you know, I like her and she wants to marry a pastor. So I'm going to be a pastor. She's then, pulling that like God card on me. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's prophetic. Exactly. So I never told him and God used other people and opportunities to point him in that direction. And eventually he stepped into ministry, um, at a church and then he, you know, eventually became a lead pastor. Yeah. That's so cool. That is so cool. I just, I love hearing other people's stories and the way that God works like similarly, but also so differently. I, yeah. I also grew up in the church. Um, 
but did not have the experiences that you had at all. And, and, and no offense to my parents or my church or anything. I just didn't, I, I went, I dressed up, I went to Sunday school, loved it, went to youth group, loved it. If there was like a trip or a camp, like I was there, I wore the Jesus t-shirts to school. I mean, I was like a Jesus girl, you mm-hmm. know, but it was more of my choosing. It was more of a mental thing mm-hmm. where we didn't really talk about the Holy Spirit a lot growing up in the Methodist church. We called him the Holy Ghost, mm. which sounds very frightening. And yeah. also <laughs> we just didn't talk about him a lot, like at all. Um, and so for me, it was, it was more of like a choosing, I want to choose this, but the feeling part of it was not there so much. It was like, I knew I had a personal relationship mm-hmm. and I thought I felt something, but I didn't know what it was. And it wasn't until many, many years later that I actually really have been able to like live into the Holy spirit within me and all of that. So, wow. Very cool. Very cool story. And I actually taught kindergarten for 13 years. I've only recently, <laughs> yeah. really, wow. yeah, I've only recently come on staff. I mean, I, I helped plant this church. Um, mm-hmm. I met Naeem and Ashley when they moved to Charlotte with the launch team. So I, I feel like I've been part of it. Well, I have been part of it since like pre day one, but yeah, I've only been on staff for a couple of years and ordained as a pastor, even less. So look at that. It's just very cool. Good. How God, yeah. how God moves. Yeah, it is. So your church, I think your, our churches even are similar. I went, I went to your church's website because I had to <laughs> stalk you and it looks like you have a pretty diverse community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're what's multi-generational like? and, and um, I would say we're predominantly like a white church because we are still in Norman, Oklahoma. Sure. Um, and so there's a few of us that are, that are Indian and then we have a few people that are black. And then we have a few people that are like other, you know, like mixed races and stuff like that. But predominantly I would say it's still, you know, reflects the community. Yeah. And it's led by an Indian pastor and his wife. What's it like to be Indian in America or in Oklahoma specifically, maybe? Well, I think, I think it's unique. I think it's a unique um, position and perspective because I, I always say it like this, like when I was a little kid, I used to like mix everything. Like my mom would have her perk plus, you know, clet, like scalp clean shampoo or conditioner. And then I would have my Tresemme conditioner for volume. And I'm like, well, I want a clean scalp and I want volume. <laughs> mix these up into a bottle and do it, you know, like my Shake way. Yeah. <laughs> And so I think that's, that's kind of what I get to do. I get to kind of take all the things that are Indian, all the things that are American and see what is good and put it into a bottle, mix it up. And so like, there's so many beautiful things about the Indian culture. Like I love that we're a culture that honors people. Mm-hmm. Like there's a great uh, honor for elders and family and teachers and doctors and people that help, you know, there's, there's great yeah. honor for that. And so I love that, but I love the American culture where they're like, Hey, ask questions, which is not typical to Indian culture, right? Because it's an honor culture. You never ask questions. You just do, you just do what you're told, right. 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 And so I love that I get to ask questions and I like to put those in a bottle and shake it up and say, that's the culture that I want to live out, that I want my kids to grow up in, you know? So I think it's a unique position and perspective. And so I, I, I think it hasn't always been easy for, you know, me personally to embrace the Indian culture because, and I'm fully Indian. Like I was born in India. I speak Malayalam. I can read Malayalam. I love Indian food. I eat with my hands. I love Indian (laughs) clothes. Like if I could, I would wear a sari like all the time. Like Uh. I love everything India. Right. Um, but at the same time, I, as a Christian, like an Indian American Christian woman, when I looked up to people when I was growing up, there wasn't people that looked like me that taught the word of God or wrote or did things that I wanted to do. Right. And so most people that did that stuff that I learned from were white. And so it was easier for me to adapt and assimilate because I wanted to be that. Right. And so most of the places when I go um, to speak or any conferences or 
uh, even little women's events that I go to, I'm usually the only, you know, Indian American Christian woman represented there. Yeah. And so for me, it's very much easier to make everybody else comfortable and be less Indian, right? Cause I can mm -hmm. do that. I can control mm -hmm. that part. And so, and it's not anyone's fault. It's just, it's just easy. And we yeah. all want to be like, you know, live a life that's easy and comfortable. And so for me, it wasn't until recently that I felt like I um, needed to display who I really was and be authentic to my Indian um, voice. And that's because at the end of 2020, um, I felt a burden for Indian women, right? Like, and I was yeah. like, well, if I want to reach Indian women and know their struggles and speak to their struggles, then I have to be authentic to my Indian self. And so yeah. it took a lot to get there. Um, and it was easy once I did it, you know, because I am fully Indian, um, but it was hard because it I, for so long I had adapted and assimilated because sure. it was easier to do that. Well, and I think there's there's truth to what you said, whether it's cultural or I think we all have a part of us that we're like, this should be easy because it's who we are, yeah. but it is hard. It yeah. is hard to show up 100% authentically, regardless of, you know, if it's because we look different or we act different, or like you said earlier, you don't fit the, the role of like the pastor's wife. Well, mm -hmm. I certainly don't fit the role of what people expect when they think of a pastor. Not only am I female, but I also am loud and I like, am a lot, you know, and it is, it's, so I, I get that to an extent of mm -hmm. feeling like you need to tamper down a little bit. Yeah. Um, but also wanting to be our full selves and wanting to be, you know, authentically who God made us, regardless of the space. Yeah. And I think so. it's, if we want God to get glory in every part of our lives, and he does, mm -hmm. then we have to surrender every part of ourselves and say, God, you made me a Christian. And that is my primary identity as a child of God. But you also gave me brown skin and you put me in Oklahoma. And there is a purpose behind all of that, right? Yeah. God doesn't do anything accidentally. Everything is with intention. And so how can I use my unique position and perspective and voice uh, to reach somebody? Because everybody can be shouting, but one person can only be reached because of my unique perspective, position, and voice. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, man, we are so like, <laughs> we are so similar. I'm so glad I found you. <laughs> that's kind of my, I, I started a blog, I guess before I even realized I was deconstructing, I was deconstructing and it's called Turning the Gem. And it's that whole, it's just basically that idea of perspective. And mm -hmm. one of the things that I keep going back to, because for me, I write because I like writing and I feel like it's a gift that God's given me and I want to steward it well. And it also helps me process. So mm -hmm. the, as I write things out, I learn more about what I think I'm coming to write about, you know? And I always come back to that where I'm like, is anybody reading this except like my mom <laughs> and me? <laughs> <laughs> but, then I, but then I remember like exactly what you just said. It doesn't matter. It's the one person yeah. who needs to hear the truth of God, who needs to meet Jesus, who is not going to get it in a precious way, who's not going to get it in a put together serious way, but who needs either my perspective or my sarcasm mm -hmm. or my, you know, whatever way to spin it, that they're going to get it and go, oh, huh. Mm -hmm. Like nobody has ever positioned it that way. Nobody has ever packaged it that way. Now I understand. Yeah. Now I get what this whole thing is about. Mm -hmm. so it's really learning to use the tools that God gave us. Yeah, absolutely. And it's what you said, it's the word stewardship, right? It's like, mm -hmm. how can I steward my culture, my voice, my time, my work, everywhere I go, my neighborhood, everywhere I go, God has a purpose and I carry the presence of God. And so it is my job as an ambassador, as a representative to bring Jesus to this place in this space and time. And so how do I do that? So looking for opportunities in our unique way is key. Yeah. I think I can get caught up in the people that I'm not for the people that, or that are not for me, whichever way it wants to go, mm -hmm. you know, Yeah. because the critics there, they can, they can usually speak louder. And those are the ones I know, at least for me, that's, I struggle with identity there of going like, oh, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I am too loud. Maybe mm -hmm. it is too much. And then having to constantly focus back of like, no, I'm reflecting Jesus to the ones he's put in my path. The ones he's yeah. calling me to. Yeah. 
So you mentioned that, speaking of identity, you described yourself as a Martha who so badly wants to be a Mary. Oh, what man. does that <laughs> mean? What does that mean? I, I, can, I think I can relate because yeah. I am also the doer. Like mm-hmm. I have a hard time just sitting at the feet of Jesus, even yeah. though it looks nice. Um, but what does that mean for you specifically? Gosh, and that's exactly it. I think in the story of Martha and Mary, I, I see this picture of like doing versus being and Jesus just straight up says it like she chose the better portion. Being mm-hmm. is better. And I know yeah. it in my head. Yeah. I just can't get it to my heart. And part of it could be because you know, I grew up in a culture that was very legalistic. And so it makes sense. Like I can carry out a checklist and do all the things like I can get it done. Right. Um, and I can be a good person and do good things. Um, and Jesus is like, no, 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 but that's not what Christianity is, right. That's not being a disciple, being a disciple is following me, walking with me, being with me. And that's so much harder to do. And I think that's why Christianity is so hard. Um, it's easy at the same time because there's grace, but Mm -hmm. it's so hard because you got to follow him and you have to daily die to yourself and take up your cross and your desires and all the things that you want to do and follow him. So he's like, Hey, I want to rest right now. And I'm leading you to a place of rest. You got to rest. You got to stay still, right? Like the good in Psalm 23. And that's really hard to do because I think our culture even is constantly telling us to do and reach and achieve. And so there is a part of us that wants to um, fill our cups and with achievements and trophies and rewards. And that makes us feel good, right? right. Being sometimes doesn't feel good because it's so private. Like me being with Jesus, nobody else gets to see that. And I don't get anything out of it. I don't get an applause. I don't get someone saying, good job, Simi. You're such a good Christian. But when I'm doing stuff, I get that. And there's a part of us that wants to be seen and acknowledged and known. And that's because that's supposed to come from God. That's supposed to come from Jesus. Um, But it's so much easier to get that double tap that like, that love, right? Online. And so we are distracted with the good things, especially being in ministry. It's nothing bad. It's not like I'm over here looking at bad stuff. I'm just doing ministry, right? I'm on Instagram. I'm like, I want to post and I want to reach people for Jesus. I'm hosting a woman's event because I want women to fall in love with Jesus. I'm teaching at my church, but all the while, I'm the one that's missing Jesus, like Martha. She's the one who invited Jesus to her home. It was her idea. She's the hostess with the mostest, but she's (laughs) the one who is so overwhelmed by all the things that she misses the voice of Jesus. And Jesus is like, listen, you are worried about too many things. And I feel in my spirit, like Jesus telling me that so many times in my life where he's just like, you're doing too much. You need to sit. And sometimes he will make me feel really like just sad, like an empty. And he'll allow me to feel the void to show me that that void is only going to be filled when I sit and when I'm ready to be with him. Um, And that might come with like, hey, like I'm not getting anything out of that social media thing. Like it's not doing anything for me or nobody's liking, no, no opportunities are not coming. Doors are not being opened. And I'm just sitting in that moment, restless and mad at God. I want to scream, God, don't you care? Because that's right. what distraction I'm doing does. your work. Yeah. yeah. And right. that's exactly what Martha does, right? Martha is like doing all the things and she gets so overwhelmed. She goes to Jesus. And what does she say? Her words are, Jesus, don't you care right. that I'm doing all the things that my sister's sitting there? Don't you care? And that's what happens when we are distracted by all the things that we are mm-hmm. doing distraction leads to doubting the goodness Mm, of God. Right. And so for me, I have to sit back and just commit to just saying this like declaration over my heart. Like I'm not trying to grow. I'm just trying to be today. I'm not just trying to grow my influence, grow my platform. I'm just trying to be who Jesus Mm -hmm. wants me to be. And that's his daughter. That's his child. And I'm just trying to be fulfilled in that And if I get that, just not in my head, but also in my heart, then I can be happy in the private place, in the secret place where I'm just abiding, just me and Jesus. And I don't have to do all the things. Yeah. I think it's, I think a lot of women will be able to relate to this because like you and I were chatting before we started recording about, you know, 
moms and this and whatever and all of the things and traffic and husbands and you know there's so much stuff but I think especially for women in ministry this can get even trickier I have prayed so many times since being official you know officially on staff like God don't let me miss you in the middle of all of you Mm. in a sense like I don't want to miss Jesus because I'm constantly quote unquote thinking about God you Jesus know, things. or doing yeah. church work, or I'm yeah. praying for other people, but like, let me make sure I stop and pray just to you, or I'm mm-hmm. doing with other people and I'm having conversations and I'm writing about God and I'm reading books and I'm reading the Bible. But sometimes he's like, will you just like, stop even the Bible, even like whatever, just yeah. stop and listen and just be with me. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so good. And you mentioned social media too. I think that's, it's, I find myself almost training myself because of social media and the world. And then I take that then to the Lord. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, oh, if I have to present this person, I have to present this. And I try to be authentic. I try to be real and vulnerable on social media as much as you can be, you know, Mm -hmm. but still there's an image. There's a, there's a quote unquote brand, if we Mm -hmm. need to call it that. And I find that I end up taking that to God, especially in my broken places, especially in my hurting dark places where I'm like, okay, but just let me get it together. Like Jesus, don't come close now. Mm -hmm. Let me get it together. Let me fix it first. And then I'll come to you and then I'll show you like how it was broken, but I fixed it. And then you can be proud of me Mm -hmm. instead of just bringing it to him in my brokenness. Yeah. Wow. I think we can all relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot harder. <laughs> it's a lot harder that way. You know, mm-hmm. are you familiar with the Enneagram? I have not taken the test. Okay. I'm one of the few people alive that have not taken okay. the test. No, it's, it's okay. It's okay. People either like love it or they don't know about it or they're sick of hearing about it. Um, it's just so funny. That's all. I love it. I think it's mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing tool and I'm not going to type you, but I have an idea in my head. So if you ever do take it, <laughs> I want to know um, what you're probably the same. (laughs) We probably are. (laughs) That's my guess. (laughs) Um, But for me, like I only bring that up to say it actually helps me in my relationship with God to go Mm -hmm. one, what we were talking about before, like I can embrace all of the things that Mm -hmm. I thought maybe were not quite right. Cause I'm like, Oh God made me like this. So I can Mm -hmm. live into that. Yeah. Then also to know, okay, maybe I'm, I'm acting out of fear or maybe I'm acting out of insecurity mm-hmm. and be able to recognize it. Mm. So what do you, here's a real question that I didn't send you in advance. Since we're talking about identity is the real question. Mm-hmm. What do you find yourself defaulting to? Like, what do you find yourself putting your identity in? Like, is there a specific thing when you get caught up and you're like, oh, I'm not putting it in God. I'm not putting it in mm-hmm. who he made me to be. Oh, I think it's probably just going back to the doing. I am really good at performing. Um, As Mm -hmm. a child that grew up in a house where there was abuse, um, I know how to pretend and fake it. And I also know to, if I'm, you know, being like this perfect person, then I can calm everybody down. I can make sure no one gets stirred up or riled up and I can make everyone happy because I can control the situation. So it just goes back to me handling everything, right? I can do this. I can make everyone be at peace and I can try to control everything and I can make sure that everything's okay. And just relying on myself to make everyone happy. So people pleasing is one of the things that I will default to easily um, because I grew up in a house like that, right? And I grew up in a culture like that where in in the Indian culture, a lot of times you live into other people's expectation of you. And you're rewarded for that. Yes, exactly. And so there's always like, hey, if you live up to this idea of success, then everyone's going to think you're amazing and you're great. And if you don't, you're going to bring shame onto your family and to your generations. And so it's a lot of pressure. And so for me, it's this idea, this default idea of I have to carry all of it. 
and mm-hmm. I have mm-hmm. to do it myself. And that's why I love Jesus because I am yoked with him and he is the stronger, stronger one, right? He yeah. invites us and says, come to me all who are weary and I will give you rest. And he, he makes everything light. His burden is not heavy. And so for me, when I walk and follow alongside Jesus and I say, there is this great pressure on me to perform and look like I'm perfect, like I got it all together to please people. Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're already approved. I got you, you're mine. Just walk with me. And so it's just a release that I have to do intentionally. And when I catch myself going back to that, I have to say, okay, this is not of God because that's a lie that I believed in. That's a narrative that I'm living into because it's become, you know, from my culture and the way I was raised, it's become normal for me. So it's easy for me to live into that narrative. And so I have to catch myself and say, but that's not what God says about me. That is not the word of God. And I have to renew my mind and follow Jesus again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's so funny how we in, not necessarily trauma, but in, when it's, when things get hard or mm-hmm. out of control, or when you feel like, you know, you can't manage all of the things, how we kind of revert back to that childish yeah. or whatever, you know, we did as a child, those like mm-hmm. coping mechanisms. And it really does take learning and unlearning to be able to recognize it first of mm-hmm. all, and then be able to hand it over and be like, God, please like, yeah. take this. Yeah. And a lot of times those things don't rise up till you're older. You know, for me, like I didn't understand, like I always thought, oh, my dad got saved. We were all good. We're doing all the stuff. And it, I really didn't understand what it had done to me. Like I was repeating patterns and I was carrying the dysfunctions, but I didn't identify it till I wrote my devotional last year, released it. And even then I didn't realize it. I did a book study at my church for a small group over the summer. So I started researching and studying more in depth to do the book study. And all of a sudden God started healing those wounds and he started bringing those things up. And as uncomfortable as it was, as hard as it was, I had to recognize those things and bring it to the table and say, gosh, I'm acting like that scared girl in that room when I was eight years old. And I don't have to be because God set me free from that. And so you just have to learn to recognize those patterns as those dysfunctions and bring Mm -hmm. them to Jesus and know that you're not, you're not that that's a part of your story, but that's not your story. Right. And I think it's so cool that that happened while you were writing your book. For me, it was therapy. Like it wasn't Mm -hmm. until I I knew I had something going on. I was like, I have something down in there. I don't know what it is. And I went to therapy and that's when I started to work through. And man, there were so many days I wanted to walk out and be like, mm-hmm. no, thanks. <laughs> this is too hard. But yeah. somehow I found God even more in therapy because it mm-hmm. was like, okay, I'm going to trust you that you've got me. And that mm-hmm. if I actually dig into these past wounds, like you're not going to leave me there and you're going to pull me through this on the other side so that I can know more of who you made me to be and not that child that he also made, but was stuck in some things, you know? Yes. Yes. The brokenness of this world, you know, we all go through stuff. And I think that's what unites us that none of us Mm -hmm. have this perfect past. We all have issues and yeah that God heals, God restores, God redeems, and God loves us despite of all of those mistakes and what was done to us and what we did. He was with us. And when we look back on our lives and not just look at our pain, but look for God's fingerprints, God's Mm -hmm. provision in those moments. And then all of a sudden we're able to see, oh, God was weaving every moment of our lives together. And we he were was never there. alone. Yes, we were yeah. never alone. Uh, and that's when we're able to really experience healing. Yeah, he's so good. This got <laughs> so deep. Man. <laughs> Listen, this is who we are, okay? We like laugh and wear filters on Instagram and then we're like legit, legit, so good. It's exactly what I wanted from you. perfect. <laughs> So you mentioned your book was that I am not. Mm -hmm. Yes. Tell me about that. 
So it's called I Am Not, Break Free from Stereotypes and Become the God, Become the Woman God Made You to Be. Um, not become the God, become the woman God. <laughs> um, so I released it last year. It's on Amazon. Um, and it's all about just those narratives that culture says about women, regardless of what culture you're living in. So it's like women are emotional. Women are, you know, comparing themselves to everyone. Women are hot messes and all these things. Women are gossips. And so I took uh, seven of the, or eight of those stereotypes. And I looked at women in the Bible who struggled with those same things. Um, and I identified those women. I mentioned, I intentionally took women who are mentioned by name because I wanted us as women to know, even though you struggle with those things, God knows your name and God can still use you. Um, because oftentimes we feel like I'm the only one struggling. God can never use me because I struggle with gossip or I'm too sensitive or I'm too much. And no, 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 right. God knows your name. God knew Naomi, even though she was emotional, she was going through an emotional roller coaster, even though Miriam gossiped, you know? And so I talk about different women like that in the Bible and um, how we can break free from that kind of the, the root cause of why it's so bad and why we do it oftentimes stereotypes are just those narratives that are spoken over and over again mm-hmm. uh, even through media so like when I watch Real Housewives I'm like why would I want to be like that why would I want to be a woman right like why would I want to be friends with other women because they're all constantly and fighting yeah (laughs) comparing themselves to each other and hating on each other and hurting each other and that is kind of like the picture that culture says women are and so if we are not intentional we live into those narratives and we forget who God made us to be. God didn't call us to be gossips, right? God didn't call us to just live into the narratives that God has, uh, that the world says about us. And so that that's going to change when you and I know who we are in Jesus and we choose to live differently. So I want my daughter to grow up never hearing me gossip. So when she sees and hears in the world that women are gossip, she's like, I never heard my mom gossip. That's Mm -hmm. how we change the narrative one life at a time, right? One poem at a time. And so, um, yeah, it was, it was a, uh, a God thing because unlike you, I don't like writing. I'm a speaker. I can speak, but I hate writing. It stretches me so much, but God is just opening doors for me to write and, um, so you just came on with inspire, didn't you? Encourage. Yes. 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 I did. I did. And that was a God opportunity as well. And so it was, it's just one of those things that, um, you know, God always calls you to the thing that you feel like you're not qualified or good at because you have to rely on him more and, his grace shines through in our weakness. And it's absolutely true. Um, Cause even when I hear that women are blessed by my book or my words, I'm always like taken back. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can't write. This is like really uncomfortable <laughs> for me, you know? Um, and so it is, it's just been a um, fun and challenging journey <laughs> to, to write. That's awesome. And I loved, this is when you made the shirt, right? Like you had your yeah. own squad shirt made with yes. all the women. All I the women. So yeah. <laughs> I was like, I need that shirt. <laughs> okay. So I have to know, I know we're not supposed to have favorite kids. We're not supposed to have favorite characters, but surely as you got to know these women, yeah, there was one that stuck out to you. Who did you have like either the most fun with, or who surprised you the most as you Gosh. learned about them? I think, and I always say I relate to all eight women because um, I struggle with all those things yeah. that they struggle with. Cause I share a lot of my personal story in there. I think Eve would be probably, cause a lot of times, even when I teach scripture and I study scripture, I always go back to the garden because there's so much to learn in the garden yeah. still. Right. Um, and so I think of Eve because she walked with God and Mm -hmm. she messed everything up. And so oftentimes we feel like that, right? Like, oh man, I'm supposed to have been walking with God. And how could I have done this? How could I have messed up so bad? How could I have been naive? How could I have fallen for the lie and taken advantage of? And I think a lot of people can relate to that because Uh, maybe because of my people pleasing thing, you know, like I have a hard time saying no. And so Mm -hmm. maybe because of that, I can feel um, a a, a kinship with Eve, just wanting to stand there and listen to the devil or the snake, because she's like, oh, I don't want to hurt his feelings. (laughs) (laughs) 
like the people at the mall that are trying to sell you stuff at the kiosk, you know, like, you're like, sure, you can straighten my hair. (laughs) (laughs) Sure, I'll eat your apple. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's so good. Yeah. Even so, I think especially I can relate to that as somebody who, again, has, I I I never had like a big conversion story. I don't Mm -hmm. feel like I had like a before and after Jesus. I just feel like I've been a Christian my whole life. Mm -hmm. So I can relate to that part of Eve of going like, well, shouldn't I, like, I shouldn't be falling for this now. I should know better by now. Like I should be over this struggle by now, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I love that. I love her as an example. Well, I want to talk to you about one last thing before I let you go, which is the idea of embracing the ordinary. I know this Mm -hmm. is something that is important to you. So why don't you explain that um, to us as well? something that I feel in culture um, that is very obvious is happening is this like Christian celebrity culture. And I absolutely hate it. Uh, I despise Mm. it. And I feel like, because I feel like it, it has hurt the church so much. Uh, It had hurt, it has hurt people so much. And I don't feel like that is scriptural at all. It's not what Jesus teaches. It's not how Jesus lived out. It's not, it doesn't reflect the kingdom of God at all. And I think it's um, the obvious danger is that, you know, people fail us, people disappoint us and we get hurt and there's victims. And we saw that just in 2020 with all the people that failed. We end up accidentally putting our faith in the person instead of the the God that they're representing. Exactly. And so, uh, but at the same time, being in ministry, and seeing the other side of the person, the the pastor, you have to also understand like when you put them on a pedestal, now they feel like, oh, I have to protect this title, this position. And I have to, you know, just keep everything I'm struggling with in secret because they are looking up to me. And then you end up putting them in this place of failure. You're setting them up to fail because you're making them in the place where they should never be because we're not meant to receive glory. But I think there is- It's not good for them either. Exactly. As people, right? Exactly. And so we, as people are disappointed when they fail us and these people are left in despair because they were never meant to be God, right? right? They were never meant to cause glory. And so we're, it's, it's harmful in every way. But I think for me, what I have sensed in my spirit is like, there is this, because of social media, there is this want and this desire, this craving inside a lot of us, especially in ministry, when we're doing things for God, somehow our good desire gets twisted and it becomes about Mm -hmm. us. And we want more followers and more platforms and bigger stages and more opportunities because it makes us feel more significant. And we want some of that glory, right? And it's so important for us to recognize that that is not of God. That comes from the devil. We saw like Lucifer does that. He's like, I want some of this worship. I want to be like God. Mm -hmm. And he gets kicked out and he comes at us with the same deception, right? And he causes us to want that. And I felt that happening in my spirit where I was just like, man, like I want to do things, right? I want some of this glory and not in like this obvious big way, but I could tell that pride was coming in, right? And so I, because I would be dissatisfied with the things that I was doing in secret for my kids because Mm -hmm. I wasn't getting the likes. And so God was really shaping my heart to this place of embracing the ordinary. You know, Jesus says the the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed and I'm Indian and we put mustard seed in all of our dishes. So I, I have them. It's an ordinary. Like, I know it. Yeah. I know how small it is. I've seen it. It's very ordinary and small. And so for me to know that Jesus looks at that mustard seed and says, this is like the kingdom of God. It's like, man, God sees potential and purpose in the very small things. And I'm over here thinking it's only in the big things. It's only in the shiny, big, glamorous moments of life that there is purpose and potential. And I'm waiting for those doors to open. And I'm sitting here resenting my life and the things that I have. Yet God is saying, no, 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 no. It's in the little ordinary moments. And when you look at Jesus, he lived that out, right? He chose ordinary people to be his disciples. He wanted and welcomed the daily interruptions of ordinary people wanting, you know, miracles. And he would stop and listen to their ordinary stories. And God was like, basically reminding me that what I have in front of me, the very ordinary thing is my opportunity. 
is my purpose, is my potential. It's in the interruptions my kids create when I'm trying to write an article or a post yeah. for Instagram, when I'm trying to get likes. God is like, no, 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 that interruption, welcome that because they there need is you. purpose mm -hmm. and potential right there. Right. And so embracing the mundane, the ordinary helps me see purpose and potential in that moment. And I feel like that helps me from getting puffed up with pride and mm -hmm. wanting just the big things because that's not that's not how God created us. That's not God's heart. And if we want to be like Mary, we have to fix our eyes on Jesus and just be and embrace those small things, those private secret place things that God has for us. Yeah. So here's the the million dollar question. How do you balance it? Because I'm like you. I'm like, I want God to I want to reach the people that God wants me to reach. I want mm -hmm. to, you know, write for the women and speak and teach and give his message to the people that he's called me to, mm -hmm. but without, without going for the big platform, but then yeah. there is a balance of, you know, you've got to put it out there for people to get it. So how do you balance the, how do you balance the two of like wanting to do things and have mm -hmm. purpose and being used as best as you can, you know, by God to reach as many as possible but still remembering to sit in the small. So I think, you know, I, I always say everything that Jesus lived out was a model for us as an example for us to live out, right? And so we see when Jesus is doing big miracles and when Jesus is like going and preaching and there's big crowds following, oftentimes the Bible will say, and Jesus went and hid himself, right? He uh -huh. left them and hit, went to a secret place. Um, and I think it's, it's so important for us to understand why he did that. Because you see that Jesus came for the purpose to die, right? Mm -hmm. And if those people would follow him and take him and make him king in their imagination, the way they wanted, or the military leader that they are thinking Jesus is going to be to save them, or you know, do whatever in their mind, for to become their savior it would have stopped jesus from the purpose that he came here for so when jesus is hiding and he is going to the presence of the father uh, he was basically being being rooted and reminding himself of the very purpose and identity of who he is right yeah. and so for me it is in those moments when I do have a big win, when I do get a big opportunity that I have to hide away and I have to mm -hmm. go to the secret place and I have to pray more and I have to seek God and I have to remind myself, this is not about me. It's like what you said in the beginning, it's about that one person and yeah. who is that one person, Jesus, that is going to need this post today, this article today and going back to the secret place and knowing that God has called me, God has a purpose for me and I am a child of God and that that's where I get my approval. That is where I'm accepted. That is enough for me. Yeah. And I think it's hard to do that, but I mm -hmm. think it's so necessary. And the other thing is uh, you see at the end of Jesus's life, when he is about to fulfill his purpose, when he is the weakest, because he is about to take on the sin of the world. And he knows the father is going to turn his face away in the garden of Gethsemane. He asks mere men, knowing that they're going to betray him and deny that, deny him. He looks at them and he says, will you pray for me? And I think it's so important for us to have people that we can actually be vulnerable with and say, yeah. hey, I am struggling right now yeah. in, and I need you to pray for me. This is not just about me. This is about the kingdom work. This is about the father's business. And I need you to pray for me. Be willing to do that. Be willing to have people around you that love you, that you're, you can be honest with and say, hey, Will you pray for me? I think that's, that's key too. Yeah. I love that you said vulnerable there. I think it, we can be authentic mm -hmm. to like everybody. We can be authentic on social media. We can be authentic to the world, but we can only be vulnerable in a mm -hmm. small group yes. and say, Hey, these are my things that I legit need prayer for that. I'm not going to take authentically. And it doesn't mean we're not being authentic, but it just, there are things that need to stay more private. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's what his inner circle, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. What do you, where do you, how do you keep going or where do you look for encouragement on the days that are hard? Are there specific people that you like to follow or what do you do? 
So I think as a pastor's wife, that that's a really hard spot. Like when you're in ministry, yeah. because it's hard for you to be like, Hey, I'm really discouraged because half the time you're discouraged because of your. And so it's, it's really hard, you know, to go to anyone and be authentic about that. And so for me, and a lot of times, you know, people don't check up on their pastors, their pastor's wives, because we're the ones doing the checking up all often. And so it makes it really hard. So for me, I've always had to learn to encourage myself in the Lord. So for me, it's, if I know in my spirit that I'm just in a place where I'm just like, overwhelmed um, by heaviness and I don't want to do this anymore type of thing, then I have to fast and pray and get away. And sometimes I don't even know how to pray. And so I'll just listen to worship music and fill my mind with the truth of God's word. Uh, I always say it's kind of like crawling into, you know, Father God's lap and just laying there and just saying, I don't know, but I'm staying here because I know here I'm safe. Um, and then there are people in my life that I would consider my inner circle that I text them and say, Hey guys, I'm having a really bad day. I'm feeling really down. I need you to cover me in prayer. Um, and then I go, I, you know, obviously I asked my husband because he's my pastor also <laughs> and uh, my dad and my brother and stuff. So I t- I'll, I'll tell them to pray for me when I'm going through those hard seasons, because we're not meant to do life alone. You know, we need each yeah. other. We need community and we're meant to live life in the context of community. Yeah. I love, I love worship music for just that exact reason. There mm-hmm. are times I have certain playlists and certain songs that I like. And then there are times where I just take one song and put it on repeat Mm -hmm. for whatever, 30 minutes or whatever it takes. And I'll either journal or I'll write, or I'll just sit there and like cry, (laughs) just get everything out. But yeah, that somehow helps me to empty out and then like refill just with God's spirit and just kind of remember and recenter, you know, who I am and who he is. Yes, yes, absolutely. That's so good. All right. Well, last question that I'm going to ask everybody in this series, and I just want to kind of fight that stereotype that we were talking about earlier of, you know, women having to fit a particular mold, Mm -hmm. um, or trying to live up to somebody else's expectations. So I want to know what, Simi, what is your favorite thing about yourself? Mm. I think my favorite thing about me, it's kind of weird because so I love the fact that I'm a risk taker, but I'm not a risk taker in life, right? Like I hate okay. bugs. I don't want to do any hiking type of stuff. Cause I'm like, I'm going to, and I, I think partly cause I'm a physical therapist and I treat people who get hurt when they do crazy stuff. Okay. Like, I don't want to do that. And I'm not a risk taker in life, but when it comes to my faith, I have this crazy faith. And I think I get it from my dad that I will say yes to whatever God calls me to, okay. even if it doesn't make sense. Even if I don't know all the answers, even if I don't know how it's going to work out, I always say yes. And it's just something that I've always done. And I love that about myself. And I know it's because the Holy Spirit that empowers me to do that, but that's my favorite thing. I love it. Well, I'm going to tell you my favorite thing about you, even though we've only been friends for a short time and it was so apparent to me. And it's just how you don't take yourself or the Bible too seriously. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's definitely, you know, an honor and a reverence there. Um, but I love, we need to laugh, you know, we need to laugh. We need to laugh about the Bible. There's some weird stuff in there. Like, (laughs) you know, we need to be able to laugh about Mm -hmm. our faith and the church and just Mm -hmm. all of the things. And I think when, when you don't take yourself too seriously, it gives other people permission to do the same thing and to not look at, you know, religion or faith or even God as Mm -hmm. like this precious untouchable thing. Yeah. And so I just really love and appreciate that about you. So thanks for being you and thanks Thank for being you. here. This was so great. I had a blast. Where, it was an honor. Thank you. I'm so glad. Where can people find you? I love Instagram. So Instagram at Simi John is where you can find me. Awesome. Well, thanks so much. And we will talk to you soon. Bye, Kristen. Bye. Oh man, she is so much fun. And I have to tell you, we have now gone from just Instagram friends to we like Marco Polo and message all the time. I just love the internet. <laughs> so <laughs> to say, I feel like, like that's like a goal of yours. Like how many friends can I make this week on the internet? It really <laughs> they is. become it real re- life friends. It really is. I'm like, hello, little number. You are now my best friend. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, oh, and hey, God. I got room for more best friends. Come find that's- me guys. Did you catch that? What Simi and I were laughing about at the end I there? Did. 
<laughs> I did. And that, that's very true though. So this is really the thing of ministry. I love people, but also sometimes y'all are frustrated <laughs> like that. <laughs> Guys, I hope you enjoyed this. Um, if so, like, comment, share, subscribe, tag us on social media, go to Kristen's blog, which uh, you can find on her Instagram uh, in the link in her bio. Uh, go follow her, interact with her, and just say what's up. We want to, you know, yeah. we want to hear. Come some be my feedback. new bestie. <laughs> Let us know what you like. Let us know what you hate. Um, mostly just what you like. We don't, you know, we don't. We don't we keep it to yourself. <laughs> you hate it. <laughs> you right? send your, you send the stuff you don't like to Vinny. How about that? <laughs> deal, deal. All right, and you won't get responded. Just kidding. I will definitely get back to you. Um, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll we'll be back next week, right? Back next week. All right. Thanks, Kristen. Bye.